This is the Starseed Awakening Podcast. I'm your host, Monet Florence Combs. I'm a quantum healer and hypnosis teacher who helps people all over the world discover the galaxy within themselves. Join me on an intergalactic journey as we explore what it means to be human in a world where we are just beginning to understand that we are not alone. Hello, my star children. I hope you guys are doing well out there and that your Thanksgiving holiday, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, was not too crazy, (laughs) that everyone played nicely with each other if you had to spend it with family. I know that um, that's not always the easiest or most comfortable situation um, for humans in general, but um, particularly, you know, I I think a lot of us are kind of uh, fall into the category of of black sheep in our our families. Um, And I've heard that echoed many times throughout this community. So sometimes we can feel maybe uh, a little extra out of place than we already do, or um, feels like that, um, you know, being feeling different seems highlighted maybe more than usual. So um, just want to let you know that I see you out there and I, I feel you. So not, not really going to offer you any pep talks or anything like that. Just want to say that if you felt that way and, and if you yourself struggle, you know, during this holiday season, just want to honor that and give you some compassion and empathy around that because it's not, it's not always easy, but we will all get through it. And make sure you give yourself some good self-care. You're taking care of your energy, not trying to please too many people. So um, today I want to talk about, uh, I guess we have a lot of uh, galactic news to talk about. That's kind of what, what I'm doing today because I think there's... I could probably talk for more than an hour about it. I'm going to try to keep it concise. So back in September, if you'll remember, I did a whole podcast on um, the disclosure movement that is going on right now um, in the U.S. in particular. And I gave like a little debrief of the congressional hearings that happen um, where uh, David Grush, in particular, this is uh, the what I was speaking to back in September, um, came out and st- basically told Congress as a whistleblower that the U.S. government is hiding, withholding, well, let's say, more neutral wor- word might be withholding uh, information about um, the you know that that we know of as a country and as a government uh, that other life exists and that we possess technology um, that came from 
some of these um, crash sites and reverse we have a reverse engineering um, of of a alien technology program within the government and so um, you know that happened back in September and so since then you know it's I think people have had a lot more discussions about you know the uh, us coming to terms as a as a planet as a species of not being alone and and understanding that we are not um, the only ones in the universe and that we in fact do know about the existence of um, aliens <laughs> and so you know that was that was pretty that was a pretty huge deal when that came out in September uh, when when David Grush um, spoke about that and just to remind you of who he is um, he's a former uh, Air Force officer and uh, the former intelligence official um, let's see here I'm, I've got his information pulled up I don't want to misspeak there's so many different facts to all of this <laughs> and so um, I'm going to do my best to get them correct and not mis- misspeak here so if I'm fact checking that's what I'm doing I want to make sure I'm not just talking out of my butt here so um so he used to work in the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office um and so he ended up getting into the um another program within the military the government which is the unidentified aerial phenomena right that's the the new term for ufo (laughs) um got rebranded i guess to uap so the uap task force so while he was in the uap task force he learned a whole lot about what the um, government is does know and doesn't know and there were certain uh, and so here's why I'm bringing it up now right a couple months later that was back in September so he actually David Grush actually came on the um, Joe Rogan experience podcast and um, that was about a week ago and I'm not um, I'm not I've actually never listened to the Joe Rogan Experience um, podcast. Um, I've had people tell me that I should be, I should be on his podcast. I'm very flattered. I know he takes very big names. Then um, I'm certainly not one of them. Maybe one day, but, uh, but you know, he interviews. If you don't listen to his podcast, which I hadn't until now, I knew about it, but um, he he um, interviews people who maybe have alternative opinions about things it's like he's kind of trying to get to the truth and um I've kind of just stayed away from listening to the that podcast in particular because I I try to just kind of distance myself from from anything that has a conspiratory flavor to it um but I actually I was you know and and there's with with Joe Rogan there's some kind of you know he's had some controversy in the past about not speaking factually all that stuff um, I think he's, 
I think he's really just kind of trying to get to the truth of the matter from what when I listened to this. And it was actually a really interesting conversation to listen to. Um, I, and I want to give kind of my... Uh, here's what I'm what, what we're, we're doing today on the podcast and uh, we're I'm gonna kind of break down some of the things that he said because in that that David Grush said because I think it's really significant and it's really the crux of all of this and um, you know what what contact is going to look like going forward uh, because that's you know it's just tied, it's tied into everything. First contact is tied into everything. The consciousness shift is tied into um, the, the integration of polarity on our planet. It's, it's tied into everything. And um, the reason why I'm, I'm focusing on this particular podcast that we're talking about today, this interview, is because as opposed to, you know, a congressional hearing, obviously, if you are being interviewed by Congress, you're going to be very, very careful about what you say, right? Because anything you say, you're testifying under oath, anything you you say can be used against you. Um, in this format, though, I just found it interesting to kind of hear a more uncensored, um, you know, obviously, uh, David had to be he had to be careful about what he said for sure because there's certain things that he did not have clearance to say but everything he said on the podcast episode were things that he actually had clearance from the government to say which i think is significant because it wasn't um you know it's all it's all known known things that he was saying by the government <laughs> so it's not ex uh extrapolation or um assumptions right this is this was you know straight from the horse's mouth um and, and I want to also say that I want to give my kind of personal assessment of of David Grush um you know it's like why would someone want to blow the whistle on the um government withholding information from the public you know, what's somebody's motivation for, for blowing the whistle? Because that's not an easy decision to do so. Um, and my take on him from listening to him, I mean, this is like a two and a half hour long episode that I, that I and I watched him do some of it, some video. And I saw, I, my read on him was that he was very, very sincere. And he felt like he had a moral obligation to humanity to talk about this stuff um and it was interesting there are some things that i actually really resonated with what he said on a personal level um he spoke to and this is just my take on him right now before we kind of dive into the nitty-gritty stuff but he spoke to um you know what was at stake for him to come out and start talking about this stuff publicly and um, the backlash that he had and how you know his um, safety was compromised um, his career was you know quote unquote ruined I'm sure there's you know he kind of has he's on a new leg of his career obviously now he's now that he's able to speak freely about this stuff but but his career trajectory was was you know completely blown up 
Um, but he felt that he had a moral and ethical obligation um, that if there was information that the government was withholding that would help, help number one, help answer um, humanity's question of are we alone or not, that that's really important, um, that that information should not be gatekept which I am 100% on board with that. I completely agree with that. The other thing was that um, this was, I think, the most interesting thing that I happen to agree with is that he mentioned that how unifying of an issue this is. So so think about, um, think about our planet and all the humans in it. And I know I've been talking a lot about this lately but it's so of the moment it is so incredibly timely right we're in it right now guys <laughs> like this is this is it this is um this is disclosure like this this is this is a peak moment in in species human species history um, it, it is the pinnacle of like reaching maturity as a species is to, I've, I've said this so many times, is to join the galactic community, right? And this is the first step in that, which is to actually accept um, that, that we are not the only sentient beings in the universe and that these other species are working with us. So he spoke it to it, this is the second thing, was that he spoke to it as a unifying issue. That, and even that in, um, when he had his congressional hearing, that it was really bipartisan. That, that you know, um, people in Congress who normally would not even look at each other because they are so far on the political spectrum away from each other, right? As we know, which is super polarized, more polarized than ever before right now. That they were, you know, looking across the aisle at each other, smiling at each other, talking with the, Like this was, this is a human issue. It's not, it cannot be a, a, a partisan issue. <laughs> it can't. It's human. And, and when we, um, and that potentially this is something that as a, as a planet, we can unify on this. Um, and that other, because other countries have not knowledge of this as well, right? And that this is, could be potentially something where we unify together over it, which is exactly what I've been speaking about over the, the years in my podcast, which is like, what is going to be the thing? What is going to be the catalyst for integration of polarity on our planet? And this is even goes back to even things that like Anru said, right? About um, you know how they're, for example, the thing, right? It could be finding evidence of Atlantis that there were star people here. You know, in the past, rewriting history, all of these things are um, are like the whole world has the potential to actually unify this at, 
over this as a a species, a human issue, instead of a my country, your country, you know, my part and political party, your political party. I hope that makes sense. And I just didn't <laughs> ramble forever about that. But I completely agree with him on that. And that to me, I after listening to him, like I really admire the courage it took for him to actually come out and blow the whistle on the stuff and speak about it and call out these people. Um, you know, for me even to kind of like, on my own personal journey and, and being open about this stuff and actually speaking my mind and really going full, turning my whole life into this, um, what I do for work, what I do, what I, you know, this is the focus of my life. Um, there's no going back from that. There's no going back from that. Once you are out of the alien closet, you can't go back in. <laughs> like, and um, how, and, you know, for me, I didn't have that much at stake, right? Like, I'm not this public figure political person. Like, I'm, I'm just a, I don't know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a, some lady uh that that feels a the same moral obligation to actually speak my truth and because it is that important and um I found it really refreshing to hear somebody else feel the same way and and um agree you know that this is a a major human issue that is more important than just like woo-woo stuff. Like this is what this means for us as a planet is huge. As as in disclosure. So um, that's where I want to start is that I thought he was very normal, very well-spoken, very, you know, he's, he's my age. He's like 36, elder millennial. Um, and... Um, you know, was willing to kind of stake his career and a lot of his life, you know, um, quality of life on this. So that's what I wanted to start out with saying, that I, f I found him to be entirely honest and believable. And that this came from a strong sense of justice as opposed to a cry for attention or conspiracy or anything like that. There's no, um, he was very grounded down to earth, absolutely no kind of air of, um, conspiratory flavor to this um so that's what I want to start by saying that I I trusted what he said completely um based off of based off of what he was talking about so now let's break down what did he actually say um and now I'm like starting to um wonder if did I did I say the right thing when I was talking about um that the congressional hearing I want to make I want to make sure it was congressional, not Senate. Uh, if I if I mess that up, I apologize. It was either a congressional hearing. No, it is okay. I got it right. It was congressional hearing. I was right. Okay, good. It's like I don't want to be talking about something that isn't what it is. <laughs> so anyway, um, okay. So here here's the breakdown because I now you don't have to listen to two hours and forty five minutes or whatever of them talking, um, unless you want to, which I I recommend doing. It was, it was worth a listen. So um, here's some of the things, the takeaway, main takeaways for me. 
And I and I apologize. Some of the, the names, some of the military jargon, things like that, I'm going to mess up like 100% or I'm just going to leave out. But I'm going to do my very best <laughs> because, um, you know, there's a lot of information and, and, and I don't, I'm not briefed on how the military works in a lot of ways, the CIA and all that stuff. So um, what I, first thing, um, that he mentions basically that, you know, as part of his job on the UAP task force was to talk to people in the military who have had experiences of, um, seeing UAPs. Um, and one of what came through from him was just how, how afraid people are to actually even report these things. That there are so many people in the military and the Air Force, you know, who, uh, you know, work higher up, you know, who have seen a lot of stuff um, and had encounters, had contact, had, um, you know, seen crafts. And, but either didn't report or reported um, years later because it was just too, like, there there was so much fear of, of having their career, excuse me, career stripped from them or, um, you know, the stigma, right? That it's like, oh, crazy people believe in ufos right so there's a lot of people who were afraid and probably still are afraid and just have not even reported anything um so that's a big one um and then i want to talk about kind of what what is known by the u.s government and other governments too that he was cleared to speak about, right? So he was not cleared to speak on many things, which so he didn't. But the things he was cleared to speak about was that um, there was a program that was started, um, or that maybe it wasn't a, a program, but it was like a, a things crash sites started being um, recovered and studied by the government all the way back into the first one that he could talk about but he mentioned that there were earlier ones as well was in 1933 and this was a an international one which is interesting it was in Lombardy Italy where there was a um a a craft that was crashed and um so so that is the earliest one that he could speak about where you know, the, the government has known about this. Um, but he said that there were basically in the double digits of different crash discoveries that have been um, recovered. And that um, the... A lot... Some of this technology... Is, is being held within Lockheed Martin, which is like an aerospace engineering 
company that I hope I'm saying this. I hope I'm getting my facts right that I believe the U.S. government contracts with. Actually, here's an interesting thing. I actually went um, on a field trip when I was in maybe fifth grade um, to Lockheed Martin because there's a Lockheed Martin facility in um, San Diego. And so we went there and we were able to look at all these different kind of like um, different types of aerospace technology that uh, is being kind of developed for different purposes, like innovative stuff. And so, uh, and I remember that very, very well. It was like a giant warehouse and you, you can drive drive by it all the time you know if I'm in if I'm in San Diego on the way to the airport it's like or the way downtown so um but there's other Lockheed Martin facilities I believe but that but it's but I've been in one um and it's you know it's pretty locked down and that's where some of the stuff was was kept and and the reverse engineering was um you know taking place as far as this technology goes but the problem was, um, the problem is, that, okay, so that what, like, why isn't this stuff being disclosed and why, and here's the main problem that he had was that why are there so many government officials that are not being briefed on this? Like it's being, this information is being contained within a very limited um, circle. And that was a big problem for him. And the the reason why um, was because th- this type of you know program which was collecting these um this alien technology uh began you know kind of around the the cold war right it it began in um i think it was with fdr he mentioned and um you know at that time the the level of secrecy and um like lockdown that this information was contained within was at the level of the Manhattan Project, right? Which was the the first uh, you know, the atomic bomb, right? What what um that movie that came out. I'm gonna mess it up. I was gonna say Gutenheimer. I don't think that's what it's called. I saw it. I don't know. My brain's not working well today. I'm trying trying to keep up here with all the facts. Anyway, um that movie <laughs> You know what movie I'm talking about that just came out. Oppenheimer, there you go. <laughs> um, but so, so you know, if you think about the secrecy that that was, that project, Manhattan Project, was involved there, there, it was all very kind of disjointed where, you know, a department could be, you know, working on a fuse for the bomb, but didn't know they were making it for the bomb, right? So it's like all these different legs of, the, you know, the of the... Um, the project don't communicate with each other and because it's not it's there's this level of top secrecy and so and the reason why they have that level is actually a loophole and this is why they are still able to withhold this information and that they're keeping it under wraps it's kind of like un, it, it falls within a loophole here um which is that um recovered spacecraft is classified and categorized as nuclear material in the eyes of the government so 
they are allowed to treat it in a way where there's no oversight, basically, uh, because it can just stay under wraps and only a few people, you know, are, are aware of it. Um, and obviously, you know, it's kind of, it's just so, it's so strange that they would classify it as nuclear material, which makes sense maybe back, back, you know, in FDR times, like this, you know, Cold War kind of culture, right? But we have, we have grown out of that. Um, so there's no reason for it to still fall under that category and still be withheld. So I hope that helps explain like what the secrecy is about and why nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's, there's other, other countries too. He was able to say that there are other countries he wasn't able to name which ones that also have these reverse engineering programs. So all these big countries know about all this and they're not talking to each other, right? Probably for the same reasons where... You know, <laughs> go back to the Cold War stuff, right? It's like the race for nuclear weapons, the race for technology. Everybody's kind of holding on to their information and not sharing it with one another for fear that somebody will use it for something, right? Um, which obviously is not really conducive to actually sharing tr something that that is a po isn't as opposed to it being something that is classified material that is actually universal knowledge. Does that make sense? So it's like it's still being treated as a weapons matter as opposed to a human matter um, and a fundamental planetary matter. Um, and so here's the, the cool thing is, you know, and this was a great opportunity for me to really dive in and, and start understanding these things a little bit more. Um, Chuck Schumer, who's one of the other um, people who are, who's disclosing information from the U.S. government, he so so they've developed this this plan um, called the Schumer Amendment that basically. I hope this is correct. I hope I'm saying this correct. There's so much information. I was trying to synthesize all of it. Um, but there, um, it'd be an, an amendment that says basically, you know, this this isn't nuclear material. This is, we actually need to start disclosing this to the public and do so in a responsible and ethical way and um, come up with a plan to do so, to start actually uh, releasing some of this information and, and like giving giving it um, giving it to the right people, and not just letting like what he said was like there's just a few people who know all this information, and they're not telling anybody. They don't want to tell anybody, right? So it's like like having a formal way to to de um, make it so that this is no longer classified as just nuclear weapon, you know, under wraps stuff, and actually start disclosing to the public so in the seven-year plan the schumer amendment um the goal would be basically you know hopefully by christmas it gets passed and then they have i think 300 days once it gets passed to come up with a plan and then and then they roll out a seven-year disclosure plan where in seven years from now 2030 everything's released 
which I find really, I just find all this very interesting and I don't want to add <laughs> or read an extra meaning into it. But um, I, I think that that is certainly better than nothing and really, really, really needed. So here's, here is some of the interesting stuff. Um, it already passed in the Senate, excuse me, the Senate. Senate was all on board. Um, but there are two Republicans in the House. He called out these names, Mike Turner and Mike, another Mike or something. <laughs> Let me see. I'll get their names. Governor, governor from Alabama uh, and a governor, I think, from, oh, governor. Am I right? No. Mike, <laughs> give me a moment here. <laughs> trying to fact check. Okay. Alabama Republican Representative Mike Rogers and Ohio Republican Representative Mike Turner. They're trying, they are trying to um, strip this amendment and take away some of its power and, and they don't want it to pass. Um, and something interesting that David said um, was, you know, why, why block the bill? If there's nothing to see here, if there's nothing that the government's been hiding, particularly associated with these two, right? Why block the bill? Uh, and his his hypothesis is that it, it has to do with basically special interests. Um, and that, you know, it's really, he even, it's so interesting to hear him explain things basically in different words, but say the same things that I say all the time on my podcast, which is that, um, and, and I keep, I keep pretty, yeah, anyway, um, that, but he, he basically said, you know, like this is the, the polarity, um, the, you know, these people who are like their, their last ditch effort to keep the genie in the bottle. Right. And this is what I talk about all the time where it's like, as, as we get closer to integration, as the consciousness shift gets closer and we're in it, you know, it's like there will still be people who are digging their heels and trying to push away change. They don't want change. They don't want, you know, they're trying to hold on to whatever power they have that worked for them in the 3D that will not work anymore for them in 4D, right? And so this is a perfect example of that. Um, the way he put it was like, you know, they're trying to keep the genie in the bottle. <laughs> but it's like it's coming out guys like it's it's coming out no matter what like let's you know maybe we could do it in a civil way that is responsible and ethical I don't know um so that was that's interesting um we'll see what happens with that but obviously it's it's not going away you know what I mean like we will if the bill doesn't pass which I think it probably will but if it doesn't, if it doesn't pass, then we're just like, it's going to come out no matter what. It's just going to come out a different way, right? Um, and then uh, another interesting was, um, you know, the people who are with, <laughs> he, he mentioned how kind of disorganized the government is and how, you know, you, you'd think it's this well-oiled machine where all these departments are talking to each other and everybody kind of knows what's going on. <laughs> but he said that that's not how it is, especially in, in this area where um, it's, actually, it's actually that the people who are withholding this information purposefully 
just have very little oversight from anybody. Um, and so it's just kind of like sitting there. This information is sitting there. It's being, um, but, but like nobody is, there, there's nobody saying, hey, you, you have to report this to this department and we have to disclose this. No, it's just all kind of, um, being purposefully, nobody wants to deal with it. And, um, or they're purposefully not dealing with it. Right? Not even that they're avoiding it. It could be that they're withholding it because it might implicate them in some way. And so this is this is another thing he spoke to, um, which is that, you know, it's a the reason why, because they've been trying to kind of get them to get the ball rolling with this for a while. The reason why it hasn't worked in the past um, is because it would just... It, it, it would potentially be some sort of liability issue, like a liability disaster. So say, you know, a bunch of people start telling the truth who know about these things, that then other people would be pointing fingers and saying, hey, well, you should have done this. And now all everybody's careers on the line as potentially messing up. Right. Um, so he, you know, they mentioned maybe that there might be once it is disclosed, maybe there's some sort of amnesty for folks who <laughs> who were maybe not supposed, you know, weren't doing their job correctly or hiding information or whatnot, uh, which is an interesting concept. Um, then, oh, and and also he did mention. Um, Oh, 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 yeah, here's another thing. So I'm just looking at my notes here. So uh, along with kind of them withholding this information and having little oversight over who is um, allowed to know it and, you know, whether or not they're going to do anything with it, there's also, there's no plan. Like, there's no disclosure plan. So they were just going to basically... If, if David and company <laughs> did not whistleblow this, they were just going to sit on it as long as they could. And until what, right? That's the question. Until what? Like until contact happens anyway and we find out, you know, the hard way. What, you know, what's the alternative here? Or another country discloses it, right? Um, and the, the interesting thing is he, he kind of likened it to when we pulled troops out of Afghanistan, right? Um, when the U.S. did. And how there was, like, literally no plan for that. <laughs> and and so, you know, Al-Qaeda just came back in and it's like, well, what the fuck did we even do there? Um, you know, and so they didn't, you know, he, he really wanted to kind of burst this bubble that people think that the government has a plan for things and and he's saying they just they just don't they don't think things through like this they rather would just kind of stay you know comfortable do things status quo than actually make for change and that's kind of one of his big reasons for coming out and talking about the stuff is that like we need to change the way government works we can't have the secrecy we can't have the old-fashioned just sitting on information like we need to actually be transparent. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, also talked about how 
we are <laughs> the government is aware of multiple different types of entities that we are in contact with that they have some of the bodies um he wasn't able to talk about much of that but that you know kind of like what we've discovered on this podcast which is that you know there's there's not just the one you know little gray aliens or whatever that show up it's like there's all sorts that are all working with us <laughs> all sorts of different species um and then then it got really interesting they kind of started talking more high level about um kind of the more spiritual side of things and consciousness which is really interesting just to hear hear a you know somebody who's more of a um government type of a person talk about this um kind of like when i think it was matthew thomas was on um the navy official who was on what's that show that i was talking about a bunch uh encounters on netflix um you know they started talking about kind of what why you know what do these aliens <laughs> want with us you know and what are they thinking about us and why are they why are they here right um one of the one of the most interesting things that that he was talking about was how you know if we kind of look at um you know we are still very primitive compared to them right we are advancing of course but to so many species we are considered you know we we <laughs> you know something i talked about was uh it, i've talked about a few times in the past is how we have you know we possess technology that we're not ready for nuclear weapons humans not ready for that that came way too soon for us um was we are not mature enough as a species, right? I, I think I mentioned it was kind of like having a, I don't remember what analogy I used, but having like a teenager like have their finger on the button for for <laughs> dropping the bomb, right? Like it's, we are not there yet. Um, and he spoke to that, uh, you know, kind of maybe like how they're looking at us as primitive. <laughs> he said, you know, like this monkey has a nuke and we're going to, we need to either avoid them or help them or do something, right? Um, so that was just, it was interesting to hear him talk about that perspective as well. Um, and Joe agreed with him on that. And I agree. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, he also talked about them as, um, you know, they talked about the ETs being potentially as like, we're an experiment of theirs, right? Um, which, you know, sort of, yeah. Like we're... Uh, if you've read Keepers of the Garden by Dolores Cannon, that's a really great book that kind of explains some of this is is how, you know, genetically they have been, you know, working with us for a long time um, and as a species. And, um, you know, they he kind of talked about the, the missing link theory, um, which I think I'm going to read something from the Galactic Heritage cards actually about this uh, because it's perfect um you know what they were talking about like it is isn't it weird that um humans are uh ad so advanced compared to our closest descendants right like chimpanzees 
how we are so different. How did that happen? What's the missing link? Right? And that's the thing that I've, I've watched so many documentaries on this. This is like one of my special interests as a kid was um, the missing. That's <laughs> oh, <was> funny. Um, <laughs> reflecting back on what I used to watch for fun, you know, kids watching My Little Pony or something. And I'm like, let's watch a documentary on the missing link between <laughs> human beings and, and uh, primates. And <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, but there, you know, isn't it funny? Isn't it kind of weird that humans are um, a lot like they're, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> how humans I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast um but I think about it certainly a lot is is isn't it weird that humans are are more uh it doesn't make sense how advanced we are compared to our ancestors um and how different we are so I'm gonna read something here um this is from the galactic heritage cards that you guys know I love um by Lisa Royal Holt um, my channeling mentor. So the, I'm going to look at, there's a, a, an earth card here, um, called the missing link. Here it is. And this is kind of what he was speaking to. So I'm just going to, this is from a more galactic perspective as channeled by Lisa channeling Germain, um, a group, um, consciousness. The human race has never truly been alone since ancient times. Our ET forefathers have been working with us, both genetically and spiritually, to nurture our development as a species. Uplifting a younger species is a natural part of galactic civilization. You, um, I'm just skipping over a part that is not really relevant. Um, what has been missing is an understanding of who we are and our place in a vast galactic community. This card has both literal and symbolic meanings, and now, and how you apply it in your reading depends on the surrounding cards. Your um, this card here we go. This card, the card text refers to the genetic projects of the ETs who helped to create the new humans on Earth, but the energy of this card goes much deeper. Um, so. To me, it's, you know, we haven't found that missing link because it isn't there. It's not there. <laughs> like there is no missing species in between, you know, primates and um, humans. It's because we're part alien. <laughs> so um, so it's just interesting to hear him talk about that. And I'm like, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, everything... I Please no, everything I say I'm saying could be completely wrong. I am try I'm uh trying the best of my ability to get to, you know, the closest thing to the truth, which of course is um subjective. So um you know, and then they started talking about, you know, how people can remote view, how you know, acknowledging these things. Um, even from a scientific perspective, how there's a, a part of the brain that, um, you know, they've done studies on people who, when they're remote viewing, right, when they're, and, and when I say remote viewing, I'm lumping this into the category of what we do, right? 
hypnosis, channeling, um, expanded states of consciousness, right? Where you are outside, your consciousness is outside of your body and connect and interconnected with the all, right? Um, so, you know, they, he mentioned that they've done brain scans on people who are remote viewing and there's a, there's a certain part of the brain that lights up while you're doing it, right? And that we, that there are people that, um, you know, this, this isn't, they actually, he recognized this as a legitimate thing, right? And I think that's huge. Um, I know about, there's the... I want to call it Project Stargate or something. I don't think that's what it is, though. Um, you know, where they the CIA studied people who could astral travel. <laughs> you know, it's like those things, they're, I think they're going to become more mainstream as this conversation gets bigger. Things like what we do, and when I say we, like this specific community here that I have, um, like we these things are going to become more legitimized if if there can be interest from the scientific community to like understand what happens in the brain when we are channeling what happens in the brain like wouldn't it be i would love if i had if i had a ton of extra money to spare which i don't <laughs> um i would love to sponsor a study where you know we do hypnosis or you know i take some of my my people who've come on the podcast who are channelers, right? Who channel these entities. What happens in our brain when we do these things? The more we can study this as a legitimate thing, the more this conversation gets to go mainstream, right? And we get to have more meaningful conversations with people about the existence of these phenomena and and and, and that it's actually kind of normal to like channel <laughs> or remote view a planet or like go visit our home planet during a meditation right like that this is actually possible and it would be I would just I would love to see there be more interest in that um unfortunately there isn't yet but I'm I'm hoping that maybe this conversation can can start you know the more people people like David talk about these things in a human way right not just before congress um that these that interest can happen, that we can start normalizing these things as part of the human experience is being able to um, use our consciousness as a tool, right? Because that's still something that the scientific community does not accept. Um, so that was interesting. You know, they talked about near-death experiences, how, you know, the interconnectedness of the universe and consciousness and, and love and and how that is the, the current that kind of um, connects all of us. Um, another thing that was really interesting was talking about um, space travel and time travel. This is something that I've talked about on the podcast, for example, when talking about like Zetas. I'll give you an example. Um, how the Zetas are able to, um, and I'm sure other species too, but Zetas come to mind, how they're, how they're able to kind of, you know, uh, the how is still, I don't know the how, <laughs> but how they're able to, you know, manipulate 
time and space be able to, for example, the session where um, the Zetas traveled from well, their present time back to Lyra to go feed off of some of the energy there from the, the attack, right? Or, um, you know, it's like, how are these, it, it, we know that we, as in all of you guys know that time is not linear, right? That that's, as humans, we experience time as linear, but it's not, right? And so they talked about that as well and how, um, you know, how it's highly possible, you know, because <laughs> this is this is the thing that always just makes me uh, want to pick a bone with people, um, you know, when we're talking, if I'm talking about the existence of aliens, right? The thing I hear the most often from people who, who just are kind of ambivalent or agnostic to all of it is that, you know, they're like, well, or <laughs> they're just like, well, you know, it, you know, it would take light years to get from that planet to over here. So it's not possible, right? It's not possible for aliens to visit Earth because they would have to go... Um, you know, it would take them, mil- whatever, millions of years to get here. And I, that has never, ever, ever landed well with me <laughs> because that is a very human assumption. That is an assumption as that humans, that is based off of our technology. So they talked about that, which is really interesting. Um, that I love the analogy. I think he used like that... Um, people would be completely flabbergasted in the past people who who had to get from where i don't know i don't remember my history i don't remember my (laughs) i don't remember a lot of my history sorry um i remember like things related to my special interests but not, not muggle history but how you know getting from whatever side of the country to the okay let's think of Lewis and Clark here right okay that I know you know getting from the east coast to the west coast or wherever they started um you know by trekking through the mountains and it took them months years I don't remember to do that um and you know, if, if we went back and told Lewis and Clark that, hey, you know, in 2023, you can just take a plane and it takes three hours, they would be like, no, <laughs> no way. That is, that is, that would break their brain, right? Or just kind of like, uh, you know, people used to have to communicate with each other across the world by, you know, they couldn't. Or, you know, maybe by a letter, right? Um and now we can FaceTime our friends on the other side of the world. And how, of course, like back then, they could never have conceived of that technology. But obviously it exists now. So just because, what I, what I was trying to say with that was just because um, we as humans can't conceive of how other species are able to travel through space and time doesn't mean that they can't. Does that make sense? (laughs) So if your friends and family are ever like, well, there can't be aliens here because because it would take light years to get here. That's what I want you to tell them that because that's the one. You know, I don't argue with people about aliens 
really ever. Um, I'm kind of like, well, you know, when you're ready, you'll come around. Um, or maybe you'll never be ready. But that's one thing that just gets me, gets me riled up. Because um, it doesn't make any sense. Um, okay, and so then, oh, another thing that I wanted to mention kind of related to that is that um, the... Um, oh, that a theory that it's possible that maybe even those who are contacting us, who are coming here, are future more evolved versions of ourselves. And I was like, ooh, yeah, we're getting into some juicy stuff here. So um, I don't know how much I've talked about. I, I, I lose track of which conversations I've had where. So if I haven't had it on the podcast, it's probably with clients or something. But about the Essasani um or or it was last week on the podcast who knows but the essasani being a future uh evolution of humans which is uh, humans as you know a, a potential future evolution right not that we're all going to be essasani necessarily but um that essasani are are human and zeta hybrids they're very advanced um benevolent you know conscious beings and how um the Essasani are working with earth um that's something I've learned a bit through the you know the, the studies I've done with Lisa Royal Holt and um another Essasani you might want to listen I don't um I don't know if I've talked much about him on the podcast but um Daryl Anka who is the channel for Bashar his channelings are really interesting um he's one of the only other channels out there that I'm that I actually trust as legitimate because um, I don't I don't listen to many channelers out there but his um but you know he he channels an Essasani and so you know it's just it's interesting I'm like yeah there's a there's a species for that that's called the Essasani and they are they are you know so, some of this is probably them working with us you know um so that was, those are some of the main points I wanted to kind of cover that I thought were just really interesting. And I really appreciated hearing him talk about. Um, and, and Joe Rogan has a huge platform. So the fact that he was able to speak openly about this with someone publicly, like that's, that's major for the disclosure movement. Um, you know, some, I, I was on the internet, as I do today. Uh, before this and I was just kind of looking up a couple things and I saw uh, uh, on the on the side of galactic news um, that today actually when did this drop yesterday the daily mail uh, which is not the most I will say this I don't consider them a super reputable or professional (laughs) company but um, sometimes they they post on stuff that I'm I have issue with but um you know they're a UK-based news outlet uh they came out yesterday saying that um here's here's the title the CIA's secret office or CIA's secret office has conducted UFO retrieval missions on at least nine crash sites around the world whistleblowers reveal so this is interesting, an interesting timing too, uh, you know, uh, kind of coming out after the, the Joe Rogan podcast came out. Um, 
is that you know they they're basically saying that nine and, and you know you never know when it's anonymous but nine anonymous people came out to tell who worked for the CIA came out to tell or at least worked for the US government came out to tell the um this this news outlet that um the office of global access a i'm just reading off of this article a wing of so i don't mess it up <laughs> a wing of the central intelligence agency's science and technology directorate has played a central role since 2003 in orchestrating the collection of what could be alien spacecraft um saying that this uh office within the cia um that they are basically sitting on all this information and it really it really seems in line with what David Gresh is talking about so what I'm seeing really whether or not that's true or not what I'm seeing is like this momentum building very clear momentum building of um disclosure happening and I find it very exciting personally and I'm grateful that it's finally happening and for people like this who are willing to speak out about it even if it means their career is um affected right uh they also they talked a lot about um or a bit about artificial intelligence and consciousness too which i think is probably going to have to be a conversation for another day it's something i've been wanting to talk about on the podcast um so i'm going to save that for another time just because it is a a longer bigger conversation um but that was that's what i wanted to share about this uh, particular um interview and i hope that that was helpful for you to kind of get kind of a different perspective on things a different and similar perspective of a lot of the things that he said really affirmed the things that I talk about um you know and and uh I hope I hope you find that helpful as an additional perspective so the other thing I wanted to talk about is um I wanted to give a couple updates on shadow school my um shadow working program that I'm going to be offering. Um, I've been spending the past week or so just really allowing myself to develop, you know, exactly the curriculum and what I what I want to cover in it and looking at what the best format would be to deliver that to folks. So as I was, um, you know, looking at all the curriculum, what I what I realized was that I really want folks to be able to have an opportunity to learn this and to do the self-healing work in a group, which is, you know, in a live group like this for themselves without necessarily having to offer it professionally. Um, Because I've gotten feedback from some of you guys that, you know, it's like, well, I, you know, I want to learn how to do hypnosis, but I don't really want to offer it as a, you know, professionally. and I think that, you know, for hypnosis, it, it's a little bit trickier to <laughs> to teach self-hypnosis than it is to teach somebody how to hypnotize someone else. But um, what I want to say is that for this work, 
there's so much work we can do together um, for self-healing that, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you want to offer it um, to the world or you just want to do it for yourself. I want people who want to do it for themselves to better themselves, to have an opportunity to do it without having to go through the certification process because there's, that's kind of a whole other animal, right? Um, so... What I decided is really looking at this format and all the stuff I want to cover. It's going to be really, really comprehensive. Uh, I want to offer it in a six-month format that is just for self-healing, right? We are showing up. We are doing the work together. We are, um, we are doing the inner work that I talk about so much that I've been able to do for myself and that I... I've done with my clients as well um, from a really holistic standpoint, right? Not just from working with our beliefs, like traditional shadow work, but we're also looking at past lives, um, karma, the soul, the soul's experience, um, neurodiversity, and how that impacts all of us. Um, the subconscious, the conscious mind, you know, somatically what's going on in the body, the emotional body, all of these things, you know, energy, all these things that make up who we are. And really, because you can't just address one, you got to address the whole. And that's what I've never seen before in any other program. If it exists, I haven't found it. <laughs> um, you know, it's always kind of a focus on one modality, but but what I really want to do is kind of integrate all of it because we can't leave out we can't leave out one part without like we can't just do belief work we also have to work with with our you know with trauma and our emotions and and our energy all these things so that's my idea for that and I really want it to be comprehensive and thorough and for you guys to really really improve your your life your well-being be able to live the an intentional life and do that self-healing inner work that we're all called to do here in each lifetime whether we want to do it or not you know um so my format that I'm going to be offering will be six months for just self-healing just inner work together um and and then I'm going to have an additional I'm going to have a certification track as um a post you know, post-healing <laughs> certification track as an add-on. So, um, and that will be probably maybe three months of more like intensive, how do we do this work with our clients? Um, and included with that obviously would be business support as well and, and all of that stuff. So for the people who don't want that stuff, because it's just, it's not what you're called to do in, um, in your career path, then you still get to, to opt into the healing, right? So I want to do that to kind of make it more inclusive for anybody who wants to do this work, not just healer professional people, okay? So that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, I'm going to release the details to that as soon <laughs> as soon as I make sure they're all, um, they all make sense and I can cohesively explain them <laughs> on my website. And so just keep an eye out for that. I will make a big announcement for that as well and um, we're still going to start in January so I'll let you guys know 
how that all works. And um, it's been really cool to hear the feedback from everybody that how excited you guys are to do this program. Um, and I think we're going to have a really fucking amazing group of people because that's being able to be with others and do this healing work with others instead of just like watching a video or a course or whatever. Um, and having that like human interaction piece is, is just, that's, that's always the missing link. We, we can't always, I mean, we can, but it's harder to heal in a vacuum on our own. Sometimes we need a mirror. We need a mirror, somebody to hold a mirror up to us and show us what maybe we cannot see. So that's, that's why the live component is so important, the live calls. So I will give you all the details of that coming up. Um, and we'll see if we get any more interesting galactic news in the next week. I will certainly update you if I've got it. And I also have, um, there's a new civilization that I have not talked about on the podcast before that I've had many requests to talk about that, um, I want to do some digging into, uh, that hopefully I will be sharing next week. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully it all works out and I get to share it. Um, so that is where I'm at. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Love you all. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Starseed Awakening podcast. If you are ready to become a quantum healer and learn this powerful spiritual technology to take it out into the world and help others, visit my website, thestarseedawakener.com slash QHC to sign up for the next round. See you soon.